Are you a little groggy right now? I am. I know that getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done. But our friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to get that sleep that you deserve. CBDPM blends melatonin and other sleep-promoting ingredients with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. Right now, they're offering all Locked On Celtics listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Danny Ainge gets candid about the Celtics, and I talk Celtics Hawks with the Locked On Hawks podcast right now on this Friday, Locked On Celtics. Let's go. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talk about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing, wherever you're going, I appreciate you taking this show with you. Hopefully it brightens your day. I'm John Corrales. I host this show Monday through Friday. So if you're new, please subscribe. You're going to get this on a daily basis Monday through Friday. I'm also the new Celtics beat writer at Boston Sports Journal. Go to bostonsportsjournal.com right now. Use the promo code Corrales to get $5 off your annual subscription. That works out to be less than $3 per month to read not just Celtics coverage, but if you're a Boston sports fan, all Boston sports coverage. It's a great deal. So use the promo code Corrales. One more thing. (laughs) I'm also the author of the Boston Celtics all-time all-stars. It's all-star time right now. So they were just announced, but I've already announced my 12 guys That made the Boston Celtics all-time all-star team. Buy that wherever you get your books. In today's show, the second and third segments are dedicated to the Celtics-Hawks. A little conversation of what the Hawks, you know, that Celtics-Hawks game was with Brad uh, Rowland of Locked On Hawks. He's great. Does a lot of work. Covers the entire league. The Locked On Hawks podcast is really good. Uh, We talk about that. We talk about um, John Collins. And I know a lot of people want to say, hey, what about Collins? Let's go for it. No, that and I'll, we'll explain that in the second and third segments as well. I'll start off with some of the news of the day here in this first segment, which was Danny Ainge on Toucher and Rich. And Ainge had a lot to say on Toucher and Rich. He talked about that he was asked directly about, you know, is this team a contender right now? He said, no, we're not. And that makes sense. No, we're not a contender right now. They're, they're not a contender because look at the team. We don't know who they are, what they are. We don't know what they're going to look like when they're fully together. Their, their starters or their, their best unit hasn't even played 30 minutes together. They haven't even played a full game together. So we need to see what they can be, how they can be together. I think they can be pretty good with a little bit of practice time, a little bit of rest, a little bit of cohesion. And there's a lot that goes into 
what this team can be. How good can they be? You're asking a lot of Grant Williams. Yeah, you're asking a lot of Grant Williams in a situation where Grant Williams maybe shouldn't be entirely right now. You sit there and you say, well, look at him. He sucks. Well, first of all, no, he doesn't. He's doing some things pretty well, but also he makes some obvious mistakes. But if you have him as your third or fourth guy off the bench and or playing alongside Tatum and Brown and Smart and Daniel Tice, then maybe he could be a little bit better because the attention's on, on all these other guys. So that type of stuff is what we need to know. Peyton Pritchard is is targeted defensively. What's he going to learn? What, how's he going to play with better guys around him? Aaron Neesmith showing a little promise. How's he going to play with better guys around him? So yeah, Danny Ainge is saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we can be, but I think we're better than 14 and 14 is what he says. So the the bigger takeaway in this entire conversation on Toucher and Rich for me, they were like, okay, so you're not, you're not a contender. How do you fix it? Why aren't you fixing it right now? That's why I tweeted out the, uh, the Simpsons clip of, you know, pretzel, the pretzel lady. When Marge becomes a pretzel later, lady Simpsons fans, you know what I'm talking about. Fat Tony comes to collect the pretzel money. And he says, uh, why aren't you getting me the money now? Please, the money. That little scene, that's Celtics fans confronting Danny Ainge. Where's our, where's our traded player exception guy? Why haven't you traded for anybody? Why aren't you trading for somebody now? How about now? Like, and, and my only thing with all of that is, you, you, you got to let this thing, you got to let this thing develop. You got you to gotta see what he's going to do. Is he going to spend part of it now and part of it later? Is he going to make just a regular old trade, save the full 28.5 and take it into the summer? Is he going to use all of it right now on a guy that becomes available? There are so many different options for him. And right now, when you look at the standings, it's tightly packed. How can you convince the Sacramento Kings to give up on a chance for a play-in game and maybe get into the playoffs? Because that's meaningful to them. How can you convince Orlando to do this? And how can you convince a team that's in your own conference to give you a player? I mean, think about this from the other side for just a minute. Think about the Orlando Magic. And this is, this is the hardest thing to do is to look at it from the other side. You're the Orlando Magic and you have Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon, what's, what's the big conversation about Aaron Gordon? Aaron Gordon thinks he's something that he's not. And he's been trying to be that guy in Orlando. What happens if Orlando trades Aaron Gordon to Boston? Which I would love. I think that would be a great fit. I've been saying that. I wrote about it. What happens if Orlando trades Gordon to Boston? What if the package that Orlando gets back is a reasonable one? Whatever it is, I'm not even going to put the pieces together. Let's just say that on the day of the trade, all of the experts giving their grades look at the deal and say, oh, that's an A for both sides. Okay? What happens then if Aaron Gordon 
comes to Boston, kills it in a new role, in a, a role better suited for him, becomes a piece that helps the Celtics win, go to the conference finals, go to the NBA finals, win the NBA finals, win the championship. What happens in Orlando if that happens? What happens in Orlando to the GM, to the coach? What happens in their sports pages and their sports talk radio when they sit there and watch the Boston Celtics take a guy who was awesome, or or I'm sorry, who wasn't, who was good, but never reached his full potential, use him correctly, and then suddenly he's awesome, and they take off. They get skewered. Don't you think the basketball higher-ups in Orlando would sit there and say, hmm, do we really, really want that? Do we really want that? Even if the deal is reasonable, what what's going through their heads? Do you think that maybe they'd say, I'm kind of afraid of this. And maybe, maybe I, I, I'm more afraid of doing this deal and it working for Boston than I am doing this deal and it not working for us. So I say that just to throw out the possibility of, hey, there's, there are other things going on when it comes time to make a trade. It's not just Danny, as he puts in his radio hit, going to the grocery store and going, oh, we need a stretch four. I'm just going to get a stretch four. And, oh, yep, Sacramento's got a shooter that I need. Let's let's pick up that Sacramento shooter and all of that stuff. That's not how it works. It would be awesome if that's how it works. But other people who run other organizations who have different ownership, who have different goals, who have different influences... We're sitting here talking about Boston, who is just, what are they now? Four and a half games out. They're still four and a half games out right now. And we're like, ah, why, why, what is this? And teams like Orlando and Sacramento, who have players that Boston probably wants, are like, yeah, you know, we're 11 and 18 or 12 and 15 we're not quite sniffing the playoffs yet, but we could get in and we want to get in and we don't want to jeopardize that. Like their goals are different. So that's not to say that Danny Ainge shouldn't pull the trigger on some deals. That's not to say that he shouldn't try to improve this team and that he won't try to improve this team. I'm just saying that if you're wondering why it's not happening right now in this moment, in this instant, just take into consideration that maybe it takes a little cajoling of the other side. Maybe it takes a little bit of, all right, let me call them back tomorrow. Let me call them back a little bit later. Let me see if I can massage this a little bit. Maybe a third team can get involved to to make it like a no-brainer. I don't know. But it's not as simple as calling them up, being like, hey, yeah, Aaron Gordon, now? Yes, now. Okay, bye. It's not how it works. And some of the criticism of Ainge, for sure, I get it. You know, the almost trades and all of that stuff, sure, I understand that. 
but let's let the trade deadline get a little closer, a little bit more pressure on these other teams, a little more pressure on Danny Ainge to do something and get something for somebody. Let's see what happens. But that that's why the deadline is going to be so important. Right now, it's still more than a month away from the deadline. So that that's, in a nutshell, the Danny Ainge radio appearance. There was a lot of that trade talk stuff. And uh, uh, obviously, it's people are people are on edge. Up next, I'm joined by Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks to talk about Hawk Celtics for you know about to be the second time, for the second of three appearances together in, in a week, which is kind of a wild thing. So stick around for that in the next couple of segments. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football's done, but there's still plenty. The NBA, obviously, college basketball, NHL, baseball is coming back. You can even bet on other things like awards, TV shows, reality TV. I, I got to tell you, if you're betting on reality TV, I don't know. It just, <laughs> I get, but you can if you want. Hey, look, it's not my life, it's yours, but. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you can, and you can do it on Bet Online. It's kind of wild. They've got real time updated odds, props, and almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, sports, uh, scores, odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, Locked On, sign up, post, sign up on your phone, sign up on the web, whatever. Whatever you deposit, 50% on top of that uh, gets. Added to your uh, deposit, thank as a thank you from Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Be sure to follow our social channels: Lo Celtics on Twitter and Locked On Celtics on Instagram. The sports world is much bigger than the Boston Celtics and the NBA, so I'm told. If you want to have more than just Locked On Celtics and NBA talk, you've got to go to the Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski does a great job breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. You're going to start your day with all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. So how can you beat that? Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. The Boston Celtics played the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday. They play them again on Friday, they play them again next week. So it's going to be a lot of crazy Hawks stuff. It's three times in uh, the course of seven days. A little quirk of the schedule. So Brad Rowland of Lockdown Hawks and I decided to get together for a nice conversation. So here's part one of my conversation with Brad. So Brad, you know it's good. This is the first time we've gotten to talk. I think have we done a podcast together? I don't think we have. If we have, it was a long time it was ago. A long so, time. No, I don't think yeah. we've we've talked, and it's it's funny because we followed each other on Twitter uh, for a long time. So, uh, Celtics and the Hawks do it again on Friday after uh, oh, just another from from the Celtics perspective. I just sat there and I was like, they they could not get a single stop in this game. Um, I did listen to your lockdown Hawks on my way home from the Garden. Um, I'm sure from your perspective, it was nice to, to finally uh, come away with a win. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was it was mostly an offensive win for the Hawks. Like there were not a lot of stops to be had on either side in the game, quite frankly. Yeah. So it was, no, it was no. one of those one of those nights where, uh, especially the first quarter, I mentioned it was a layup line because it really felt like it. Especially the first like seven eight minutes, there was just a lot of layups and a lot of easy stuff around the rim. And yeah, it felt good. I'm sure uh, you know Hawks observers were definitely happier last night than they had been previously. But it was a bit of a weird game in a lot of ways. And Trey Young was just the best player on the court. And when they, when he's, when he's that good, it's hard to beat the Hawks sometimes. So one of the things that you brought up, one of the things that Brad Stevens was asked, why didn't the Celtics trap Trey Young? So w- one of the things that I hit on in locked on Celtics yesterday was, I don't think it would have mattered because their defense was so piss poor that they <laughs> could have trapped Trey Young. They could have tried. They either would have screwed up the trap and he would have driven right through it, split it, or he would have just got gotten rid of the ball, and it would have resulted in uh, you know Collins or Capella just doing chin ups on the rim and just you know finishing off dunks. Like I, I don't think like the maybe they could have kept Trey Young from scoring twenty four, but Collins would have had twenty eight, Capella would have had thirty, you know Herder would have had like thirteen because he would have hit two more threes. I, I just think that. For me, from my perspective, that they probably were damned no matter what. And the other thing I want to throw at you is maybe they didn't want to trap in this game and they were going to hope that he could cool off so they can trap him a bunch in the second game, throw a new look at him, and and maybe try to confuse him or, or just throw him off a little bit. Yeah, there's maybe some long game strategy when you're playing the same team three times in, what, eight days, something like, something like that. Right. Um, and I think it's that makes sense what you said. It's just, um, and I, you're not expected to watch every Hawks game, but basically the Hawks have had a lot of trouble when teams have figured out a way to get the ball out of Trey's hands this year. And I, I know that it might have felt as if it wouldn't have mattered last night. And that might be true, honestly, because of the way that Boston you know, didn't have their personnel, did not play particularly well defensively. I just would have tried it at some point, but maybe he was holding it back for later because one, for me, once Trey Young is going like that, um, He's not going to stop going like that. Probably is my whole thing. And if the ball's in, if the ball's in his hands, um, the Hawks are just doing what they're best at doing offensively. And especially in that fourth quarter, where it was probably it, was, it wasn't over, but the Hawks were in control of that game for sure. And I, and I get maybe not want to change your style at that point in time when you're already playing from behind. But it did. It, did, it felt to me as if they needed to at least throw something different at Trey Young and not just at Trey Young, but at the rest of the Hawks, because if there's a weakness of this Hawks team so far this year, especially with DeAndre Hunter out of the lineup is that they have not been able to really beat those really aggressive traps and schemes that uh, get the ball out of Trey's hands. They don't have have a ton of secondary creation. So maybe we'll see that on Friday to your point. Yeah. I mean, I I would expect that to happen uh, maybe a little bit more often. Now we don't know if Jalen Brown's going to play. He's questionable. He's had a sore left knee. I'd rather him just sit at this point. Uh, These guys have played a ton and I know that they don't look they look a little gassed, but Kemba's going to be back. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see that Kemba Trey Young matchup. Um, Kemba, a little bit better on the ball than generally speaking, I think people assume. But regardless, uh, I, I do think I do think the Celtics will try something a little different in this game, just just to say, hey, look, we threw some zone at you, which by the way, disaster. Not nothing worked for the Celtics defensively. So uh, just assume everything that I say were, becomes disaster. I mean, they, they did try zone. Um, they did they did try to pressure in the backcourt a little bit. But the Celtics are just terrible at just 
pressuring the ball in general. They don't have the perimeter defense. So uh, I, I will say that I would expect Atlanta, like some of the things you just said, that they've not been good at those things. I would expect them to be better at those things against the Celtics right now because it's so bad that they'll have better opportunities to make those secondary passes and recognize things. Yeah, I can see that. Especially, like you said, if Brown doesn't play, it becomes a whole different ballgame. I know you know that, but he's he's so good at so many things that um, just taking him off the court, putting anybody else on the court is uh, obviously a big advantage for the Hawks and a big disadvantage for the Celtics. Um, but they're going to have to try something else, so we'll see what they do. Hopefully you guys play a lot more Danilo Gallinari. That would be... Listen, it's been it's been hard because I've not that I love I didn't love that contract when it happened and I said so, but he looks so much worse physically than I thought he was going to look. And even then, I had low expectations anyway. He can't move. It's it's quite jarring, honestly. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's so funny how much different he looks. But um, so from from the Atlanta perspective, you I mean this is your first, you know, well not no, it's a second chance to see to see Boston. I know from the inside of the the Boston side, like everybody in Boston is is somewhere either pushing the panic button, hovering around the panic button, looking to see where the panic mu- button may be for possible future use. There's some somewhere in that range of people aren't sure if this team's ever going to get any good. Just from your perspective, from what you saw from Boston. What what were your impressions of the Celtics? It's it's tough because they didn't have what they need to have. Like I was actually going to ask you, I was planning to ask you about the whole Kemba thing because when I when I tweeted out that Kemba wasn't playing, I got a lot of people saying, "Well, that's good for the Hawks." And I'm th- I mean, it's good, sorry, good for the Celtics. So I'm thinking that seems weird to me. Uh, not that I I know that Kemba struggled this year. Don't get me wrong, but knowing who was behind Kemba, <laughs> I couldn't believe right. Uh, my brain would not allow me to think that they were better off without Kemba. I know he's been limited, but um, I don't know. It was it was a night where since I, I do cover the rest of the NBA, it was a night where Jalen Brown wasn't wasn't very good by Jalen Brown standards, and that made things easier for Atlanta as well. But my impressions were, you know of a team that has not playing very well right now. And you just got into that too. I knew that coming in. I watched a little bit of the Boston on purpose before that game started and they're not, ex- not executing very well. And they're not necessarily the best roster right now. I think you know that, but without smart and without Kemba and without Tice the other night, and then with a pretty limited Jalen Brown, who wasn't his best, the rest of that roster is not particularly awesome except for Tatum, of course. <laughs> so it wasn't like a situation where the Hawks were at a big disadvantage. And that's, it's weird right now because the Hawks are battling so many injuries that I'm used to them kind of being at some pretty big mismatch problems. And this, and this, coming into this game, it was basically, okay, handle Tatum and the rest of it, Tatum, sorry, Tatum and Brown, and the rest of it is kind of like, all right, if they can just manage those guys, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And see, I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, from, from the outside uh, of Boston, you just, it, it's, it's good to hear somebody say, like, look, we, we're not sure wasn't sure what to expect because what I'm trying to do is is just trying to preach a little bit of patience because we don't know, like you said, without all of these guys, we we really don't know who these Celtics are going to be. And that's the biggest challenge for the Celtics as far as Kemba and why people would say, well, that's better for Boston that he's out. Um, Part of that is because Kemba has been struggling uh, coming back from that knee soreness. They're holding him out from back-to-backs, they're saying, like Danny Ainge was on the radio on Thursday, saying that Kemba 
could play a a back-to-back if you know like it's not like he is unable to physically he could but they're being cautious and they're trying to limit the 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 type of um you know stress that they put on that left knee because sorry february game against atlanta is not really the priority the priority is the you know june july whatever month the playoffs are going to start first round matchup against i don't know indiana like that's that's the priority. So they're going to be super cautious. Like Daniel Tice probably could have played if it was a playoff game. Like that that uh, cliche. But in Kemba's limited time back, he's struggled to he struggled with his shot. He certainly struggled around the rim. Uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have the usual bag of tricks just yet. And I don't know if that's just you know that that health meter that video game health meter still hasn't filled all the way up for you know from when he got back to um you know he's not his old self but there 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 are some questions around here about how close to old Kemba he's he's going to be is he ever going to get to 100% is he going to be 90% is he going to be 80% is he so if he's not finishing around the rim that takes you know a lot out of what Kemba can do uh, if he's not getting to the free throw line, that really minimizes how good Kemba can be. So one of the big questions for Boston moving forward is, is uh, you know, in addition to all of that is how does Kemba kind of fit in now with Tatum and Brown, especially with Brown's ascent. We didn't see it against you guys, but Brown's playing so well, he's going to be an all-star that you wonder if you just kind of put Kemba in that, you know, third option spot and have him try to figure out how he adjusts from there. A lot more coming up with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, including a little conversation of our mutual friend Jeff Teague and the John Collins stuff. Just, I'm sorry. If you're advocating for the Celtics getting John Collins, I'm sorry. That's all I can tell you. That's coming up next. We went right to the source to get that explanation. You've got to go to BuiltBar.com because coconut puffs are coming back for one day only. It's a flash sale. The coconut puff bar is luscious chocolate, soft marshmallow made with premium collagen protein blend. 16 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 6 grams of sugar. It's gluten-free. It's preservative-free, and it's on sale Friday, limited time only, one-day sale at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your order of this awesome Coconut Puffs bar at BuiltBar.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Celtics wherever you get podcasts or follow us on Spotify. I'm recording this as the Brooklyn Nets and LA Lakers are in the third quarter of their game on TNT. So tomorrow on Locked On NBA, Anthony Irwin is either going to be insufferable or inconsolable. Anthony Irwin obviously hosts Locked On Lakers, and he hosts the Friday Locked On NBA with Adam Mates of Locked On Nuggets. They'll wrap up all the biggest stories, including this game between the Lakers and the Nets. 
uh, LeBron just crossed the 35,000 point mark. Congratulations to him. Anthony and Adam will break down everything you need to know in the weekly power ranking that you just can't miss. Subscribe to Locked On NBA. Hey, I host the Wednesday show with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans. It's a great rotating cast all week long. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. Now let's continue the conversation with Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. Yeah, that all makes sense. Honestly, it was just that, and I, I've seen that too. It's not like it's inconceivable to me that Kemba is not playing well because he's not. He, from what I've seen anyway, he's not been particularly impressive this year and the numbers aren't great. But it's also, I know how bad Jeff, Jeff Teague has been. Old, old friend Jeff Teague, I know how bad he's been. So, uh, And he wasn't going to play, it felt like, and then he got in. Was it? I think I think cold in the second half, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. I was I was surprised to see him. I was like I, I kind of written it off, and I'm like, oh, there's 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 my old friend Jeff T coming in the game cold in the second half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's been a disaster. And yeah, it's not good. It's it's you know it's a one year veteran minimum con- contract, and you know if the Celtics are are lucky, they you know can use his his salary to kind of like match a, you know, in, in a salary matching t- type of situation for a trade. But, uh, that, that at this point, that's all he's, he's here for. He's only on this roster still in case the Celtics need to throw a couple million bucks into a deal that matches salaries and not as opposed to not. Yeah. There have been plenty of Rondo versus Jeff Teague jokes in my mentions the last couple of weeks because Rondo's been very bad as well and they're making similar money and Jeff is of course on the team for the Hawks last year so a battle of obviously Rondo, Rondo was injured and is still injured for one uh, for Friday but it would have been a battle of uh, controversially bad veteran point guards so but isn't it, how can how do people not see the Rondo thing coming I I, I saw it coming uh, I don't know I listen my my first red flag was just knowing what he's been in the regular season in the last couple of years my, my, and not living it already. And then as soon as they signed him, you'll appreciate this as someone who studies this stuff closely. I would say 95% of the discussion about Rondo from the team, from players, coaches, was all about locker room and leadership. And that's usually a dead giveaway that, that a guy can't play. <laughs> right. Uh, and we knew that going in, but even when they signed him, it was like the, the immediate spin was like, well, you know, culture, locker room and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, that probably means they know that he can't play, but they also gave him a two-year deal to where he has to play. So it's this weird situation right now. And right now he's hurt, so I'm not trying to pile on, but he has not been uh, effective. Right. But so, so from the Hawks' perspective, though, so it feels like there's – there's been this this move from Atlanta to to try to bring in these vets. Like we we knew, like you guys got that that high draft pick. You got Anyeka Kongwu. Um, that, that's a guy that I know a lot of Celtics fans were were kind of lusting over for a while. Um, by the way, as a side note, he he was hurt, right? And then what, what what's the deal with the Kongwu? Just yeah, it's a little bit weird right now. He was hurt when they drafted him. They knew it. It was a toe foot issue what's supposed to be a long-term thing so he got a he got a late start he missed all of training camp basically was still injured uh and then had a little bit of a setback came back and basically hadn't played and hadn't practiced and they're in the middle of this weird situation and yeah um they they've thrown him out there several times and then he also had another injury for a few games so he's never really gotten his feet under him at any point he looks like a rookie who has not had a summer in a training camp and he was obviously a one and done so he's right now healthy, uh, healthy-ish anyway. Um, but it's one of those things where they they kind of have admitted have admitted on the record even that he, they don't really know 
what to do with him right now because they want they want to play him, but he's not ready, and like he's it's clearly not ready to play necessarily. But there's nobody to play ahead of him either, so they threw out Bruno Fernando for like three minutes on Wednesday. It's been one of those two guys for like four minutes a night the last yeah. couple of weeks just to have one stint. But other than that, they just go with Gallinari, Collins, and Capella and try to win that way. Right. So, so I, I think that's a good thing to bring up just in, in reference to Aaron Neesmith. Like, Anyeka Okongu was like the sure thing. He's, he was one of the sure things. Not Maybe not a, a star, superstar, but everybody thought this guy's going to come into the league. He's going to have a place, so on and so forth. But because of injuries and all of that stuff, not really panning out for him yet. So if it couldn't pan out for Okongu just yet, this far into the season, it's only a short amount of time, Celtics fans need to chill out a lot on Aaron Neesmith, who's looked a lot better recently. So I just kind of wanted to shoehorn that little point in there. Uh, but R- rookies are bad, man. That's the thing. Like Okongu, I thought was going to be one of the guys who was ready to play-ish because he was such a you know low usage, big guy. But rookies in general are not very good. I know Pritchard's been good, but he's an older guy. Uh, Scour yeah. Mays has been that guy for the Hawks, uh, 23-year-old rookie. But my general rule when I say this all the time is that rookies are bad. There are a few, <laughs> there are some exceptions to that, but most of them are bad. That's that's generally true. So I'm um, glad to get that on the record here on the podcast. But now back to my my other point is that the you know I remember listening to Lloyd Pierce on a couple of podcasts and, and and basically admitting we don't want more young players we're already young enough we need vets and maybe that drove the Gallinari thing and and maybe that that I think certainly drove the Rondo signing we need older guys to show these younger guys how to win because we've got a ton of talent but. It's immature, and if it's not molded the right way, it can really go down a, a path of immaturity where bad habits or bad kind of attitudes are are fostered. And if we don't get the steady-minded vet in here somehow, someone with that championship experience, then we risk this whole thing, all of these young guys with talent. I mean, look at this roster, young, Herter, Collins, Reddish. There's a lot of talent on this roster. It just needs to be guided in the right way. So now I say all of that to say, I understand the, the theoretical Rondo, but we, <laughs> we all knew that reality Rondo was not going to play well, at least in the regular season. But John Collins is in trade rumors now. Yes. How real is that from Atlanta's perspective? And if it is somewhat real here, what are they really looking for in return? Uh, I think the short, the short answer that I'll give you the long answer. The short answer is I think he's available, but not really, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's available in that they know that he might get a max offer this off season. And I think the Hawks are not overjoyed to pay him the max. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that they won't do it at the end of the day to retain the asset, but I think that they going into the season, at least were not terribly excited about paying him the max. And that's what Collins side wanted. I think if the Hawks had offered him more than they offered him, he might've signed the extension. Uh, they offered him reportedly about 90 to 95 million, somewhere in there over four years. And Collins reportedly turned that tr- reportedly turned that down. Mm-hmm. I think if they had gone over a hundred, he probably would have signed it. That's my guess. Anyway, that's not me reporting that just my guess. But as far as the trade rumors are concerned, they're in this very weird spot. And Sam Andic, uh, talked about it as well in his initial reporting on the trade rumors, but the Hawks are trying to win right now. They did everything possible this summer to declare 
both verbally and with their moves that they were trying to win this year, trying to make the playoffs this year. That is their stated goal. So it's very hard for a team to do all of that, spend all this money um, into the future too, not just one-year money, like two, three-year money, tying up their cap for a couple of years, and then turn around and trade John Collins to make your team worse in season. And most of the move, most of the trade rumors or trade thoughts people have had, and honestly, they're logical, are because Collins is a late draft pick. He's not making a ton of money. A lot of those moves, a lot of those moves are like rebuild moves. They're like trade him, trade him for a pick or two, or trade him for a young guy and a pick. And those moves make the Hawks worse. Now they still might do that, but that doesn't really jive with where they're heading right now in terms of their organizational focus. So it's this weird spot where I think they would probably take an offer if they got blown out of the water. But like a market value trade offer for Collins, I don't think gets it done right now. So that's that's the long answer is that I think they probably want to wouldn't mind trading him like in the vacuum of vacuums, but practically what you would actually be able to get doesn't make a lot of sense for where they are. Right. And that's, and and I, that's the answer that I was hoping for because I don't think, I don't think that makes sense for the, for the Hawks to, first of all, trading Collins is extraordinarily difficult because he makes $4.1 million yep. and the talent vastly outperforms the contract. So the type of people you want in return are, you're either going to have to get another guy that's in the third year of his um, rookie contract like this. And maybe it's just a swap of young talent, which doesn't make, make much sense. It's, it's hard to do. <laughs> right. It's hard. To, it's, that's, that's, I don't know how that's, if that's ever happened really. So to get what you want for Collins, the other team, you, you know, maybe the other team would take Gallinari. Maybe, maybe that's a salary dump already, but yeah. that's, it's a, it's a two year. I mean, he's not guaranteed on the final year. So you're paying him next year and then you can turn around. You can say, Hey, the other team, you're getting an expiring contract. You, you bench him for the rest of this year, or maybe you play him situationally. He's a 20 and a half million dollar expiring contract next year. You're getting John Collins shut up and just accept it. Um, <laughs> but the return for Collins is always going to be the, the, the sticking point for me, because I think you would want a veteran, a good veteran player that can come in and lead this team. Now I'm, I'm going to say a Jimmy Butler type, not Jimmy sure. Butler, but yeah, yeah. you know, the Jimmy Butler, not a superstar, but leader clearly, you know, comes in, takes the reins type of guy. Well, the other way to trade Collins that I've mentioned, and this is another super hard thing to do. My two paths for trading Collins that I get always asked about, so I had the stock answer. One of them is that rebuilding type trade where you trade for picks or whatever, and you get fair value maybe, but not necessarily jives with your roster. The other one is to use Collins as like a centerpiece of a trade for a star. But who's that guy? Like that guy right. isn't available right now. The only guy who's like kind of available, maybe that's a star that everyone talks about is Bradley Beal, who's not really a fit in Atlanta necessarily, and he's not necessarily available yet. So Right. Those two paths are really hard. Like I, everybody always asks me, like, where does Collins get traded to if that happens? And I'm thinking, I don't know. And that's why part of the part of that's intel, part of that's just common sense. But I think it's very unlikely he gets traded. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It's not, I'm not saying it's a zero percent chance. But I think he's not going to get traded. If, right. if I had to guess, that's my stock answer. Like 
it will surprise me if he is traded. It won't, I won't, I won't fall over and die, but I will be surprised. So I wanted to talk about that because I know Celtics fans listening and Celtics fans will bring it up. In my mentions too, don't worry. They're, 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 they're yeah. popping up. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's, it's possible for, for Boston to do this. I mean, I suppose anything's possible in a three team trade or a multi team trade, but it just, the more, the more you do that, the more complicated it gets. And I just, it felt like, a, we really don't want to pay this guy the max, but you know, and, and like you said, blow us away with an offer, and okay, well, we're, we'll listen. And but L- yeah, listening and shopping are not, are not the same thing. It's right. something I always point out too. Like they might have the phone on, they might have the phone on. They're not calling and shopping around in the league right now. Right, at least in my understanding, right. you're not so, calling the. Timberwolves and saying, "Hey, what do you got?" You know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and teams like teams like Boston, obviously, you cover them. They have all these young guys who are like kind of intriguing, and maybe you go in the future picks, but that isn't the kind of move that I think makes any sense for the Hawks right now. Even if they were in love with Romeo Langford or pick, pick, pick whichever one of those young guys that you want to, it just doesn't make sense. Like for where for where the Hawks actually are right now to figure right. out a deal like that. Right, right, and so. It feels like, yeah. So it feels like Collins is staying in Atlanta. Sorry, Celtics fans. That's not <laughs> that's not a realistic target for um, for Boston. So, all right. Well, look, Celtics Hawks do it again on Friday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see again. Jalen Brown up in the air. Um, Tice is coming back. He's not on the injury report. Kemba's coming back. He was just off on the back to back. So it'll be a, a different game. And because Kemba and Tice had like a couple of days off, they're going to actually be a little bit fresh. So that, that actually helps the Celtics too, to get a couple of guys out there that, that have been off their feet a little bit. Uh, any, any new injury news for Atlanta? No, same four guys are out. Tony Snell, who played on Wednesday, is off the injury report. So it's it's standard four guys that have been missing time so far. And I think Boston's a bigger favorite in Vegas right now than they were on Wednesday for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. That'll that'll drop if Jalen Jalen sits. That's obviously going to drop. But as long as he plays, then Boston is in a better position on paper than they were. Obviously. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, nice for uh, nice nice joining and, and talking to you a little bit here, uh, Brad. It's, we're we're getting to see a lot of each other's teams. Over the next week, was it three games in what seven days or something like that? Yeah, it was a it was a great time for us to do this uh, because it's one of those quirks this year where it's like, all right, Hawks Celtics, and then Hawks Celtics, and then a break, and then Hawks Celtics again. So it's almost like yeah, a playoff lots of, series. Lots of action, uh, and yeah, this 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 will be fun. I think Wednesday was uh, obviously one that went well for the Hawks, and Friday will be interesting on a number of levels. Fun conversation. Make sure you're following Brad on Twitter at bt roland. Uh, he is a great follow for Hawk stuff, uh, NBA stuff. Uh, he does a great job. Uh, he's big on the draft stuff too. He did a, a wonderful job with us when we did the, uh, locked on network, uh, draft night stuff. So make sure you're following him as well. So thanks for listening. I hope all of you new listeners, if you're still around, maybe you're one of the Hawks fans. Maybe you want to hate, listen to this show every once in a while. I know historically, Hawks and Celtics going back to the, well, you know, if we really want to, we can go all the way back to the St. Louis Hawks days when the Celtics had a little rivalry going and a little bit of a uh, fleecing when they got Bill Russell. I'm just saying, but the rivalry really goes back, but we can really take it back to the Bird and Dominique days in Atlanta. So if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan, you're listening 
Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for, uh, if you want to subscribe, go for it. I encourage it. If you are just a Celtics fan listening for the first time, also please subscribe. You regular listeners, a five-star rating, a good written review, super, super helpful. I know I keep asking for that, but uh, I would appreciate that. Hey, if you know an artist or if you are a an artist and you want to do a new theme song for the podcast, go to johncorrales.com and click on the podcast contest link to submit an entry for a new theme song. Millie's, who does the theme song, is going to be one of the judges along with Dart Adams. So it's going to be I'm looking forward to getting a bunch of submissions, hopefully. So submit, and hopefully we'll have a new cool theme song, more updated one, soon. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Please share the podcast and tell everybody they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the planet.